You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Hey, hey kids, have you ever heard of a toy called a babushka? Yeah, well, I know, what? You know, it's crazy, before the, um, you guys had iPhones and stuff, right? I didn't have, I didn't have iPhones and iPads and that. I, I, the, the best toy I could find as a kid was called a babushka. Yeah, it's this Russian nesting doll. It's this funny little doll, right, that I wish I could have bought one in today, but you can't buy one anymore. It was only back in the 80s that I'm obsessed with, you know. And, and you would unpack, you would crack this doll open, and there would be another little doll inside. Have you seen them? Yeah, and there, there would be another one, and then another one, and then another one. Uh, I love babushkas. They're really fun. They're more fun than an iPad. I loved them as a kid. And look, what makes a good babushka? Well, it's like the nested doll principle that even designers use that, uh, that say that um, within a particular object, there's a, re- a recognizable relationship to the master. You see, every little bit of the babushka looked like the big mother babushka or matrushka as it should have been called if you do your research on babushkas. Now, what has this got to do with one of the most famous passages of the Old Testament? And it's simple. What Moses is trying to do here is create God's babushka factory, right? He's, he's trying to create a babushka factory here. Um, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he's doing that. In Exodus, he'd been up to Mount uh, Sinai. He'd received the design principle for this babushka from God, come down off the mountain, now, literally, the nation is literally all over the place. They look nothing like the master. And he pulls all of the parents together, which is something I never picked up until we studied this passage this week. Pulls all the parents together. Says this, verse 2. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children, and their children, and their children. It's a babushka. It's a babushka. And see, so what Moses Moses is saying is God's plan is to start making some babushkas. I'm giving you these laws. not He's he's giving laws not because he's a control freak, not because he wants to make our life boring, but because he's saying, I want you to look like me. Uh, And and by the way, it happens to be the best way to live life. And so um, the people of God is God's babushka factory. And what we see in this passage quickly this morning is the source of that design and blueprint, we see how that blueprint is transmitted through the generations, and then we see the reason why we're to obey this blueprint. You see, uh, first of all, the source of the blueprint, if, you, if kids are going to look like the master blueprint, then you need to know the master design. Verse 1, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed to teach me to observe. In other words, Moses is simply saying, here is the babushka blueprints. And so it means this morning... And even for us guys, kids, is if we've got a blueprint for life, are we going to follow God's blueprint for life or are we going to follow our own blueprint for life? That's the first one, the source, but then the transmission of that blueprint. Here's the interesting thing for me that I got out of this passage. What's intriguing here is why is Moses talking to families? I mean, why didn't he get all the scholars together? Why didn't he get the smart ones? Why didn't he get the writers? Why didn't he get the artists to trans- transmit this stuff throughout the generations. And look, here's the insight. As I get older, one of the scariest things, and Sarah was alluding to this, one of the scariest things that I'm finding as I'm older is that as independent as I like to think that I am and as learned as I am, I'm looking and acting more and more like my parents. I mean, 
Now, I'm sure this has never happened to you, those who are in a marriage situation, but you have one of those sorts of moments and your spouse or partner says to you, oh my goodness, when you say that, you sound just like your father. And I'm thinking, how does this happen? <laughs> oh, it's funny because my father always said to me, if you want to soar like an eagle, then don't fly with the geese. And kids, when I used to hear that, I used to look at him thinking he was really strange. Uh, but I, I, I got the principle, and that is that we are inevitably a product of the context and the influences in which we spend the most time. The people we eat with, the people we play with, the people we stay with, and realistically for every single one of us in this room, whether we've left home or not, that place is our families. So undeniably, although not 100%, we're realistically a product of our families, and that is why families are so critical, and that is why Moses is a genius, <laughs> right? Because he thinks, if I've got to transmit this blueprint through the generation, don't go to the artists, don't go to the scholars, go to the parents, and so simply saying to us this morning, simply tell your kids to obey God. Done. That's my message. And then you're thinking, clearly, mate, you have not had kids yet because it is a miracle to even get my kids to obey me, let alone God. So we can't just tell them. And you know what kids are like. If you want to tell kids, you know, we've talked about the source of the blueprint, the transmissions, the parents. But, if, you know, whenever, whenever you want to tell kids to do something, what is the first response from them? Why? Yeah, either no or why. <laughs> why? Why should I? Why should I? And what, what is just amazing about this, you can tell that the Bible is an inspired doc document, is that the Bible already knew this. Because in verse 20 that we didn't read from this passage, it says, um, check this out, verse 20 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, in the future when your children ask you, <laughs> What is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws of the Lord our God? Tell them this. When your children ask you, why? Why should we obey God? Tell them this. And, and, you know, and what, often what's our response when kids ask us why? Because I told you so. Because I said so. And what's even more amazing this morning, wow, talk about revelation of God. Um, even more amazing, verse 24, the, the Bible gives us that answer. Verse 24, tell them this. The Lord commanded us to obey all of these decrees and to fear the Lord our God. So the Bible's saying, when the kids ask you, why should you obey? Verse 24, tell them, because God said so. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but come on, it's not, it, it, it's not that. There was, there was something in the middle. I went from verse 20 to 24. We skipped something. It said, tell them. Tell them what? And it's wonderful. Tell them the reason. It says doesn't go to verse 24 straight away it says tell them the reason it says tell them about Egypt tell them about Egypt tell them about the way that we were once slaves and this incredible God broke into our lives and with acts of mighty hands pulled us out of that and brought us out of Egypt and brought us into a relationship with him tell them the reason why we obey you see that what what's Moses doing there you know what he's doing He's preaching the gospel. Now, some of you that are more learned and theologically trained are saying, come on, kiddo, he can't be doing that because we're in the Old Testament here. No one's heard about the gospel yet. But I'm saying he's, he's preaching as much as he knew about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because anyone who is a Christian understands that at one point we were spiritual slaves. 
At one point, we were in the wilderness. At one point, we were lost until this almighty God broke in and with acts of mighty hands, raised his son from the dead and saved us more than plagues and all sorts of horrible things happening and slavery. He saved us from death. And so anyone that calls themselves a Christian says at one point we were outside and God broke in and saved us. So in other words, Moses is preaching the gospel and he's saying when when people are to obey God's blueprint, they need to know why. So therefore, when your child comes up to you and says, why do you obey God, mommy? And why do you obey God, daddy? Tell them not because God, because God says so. Christians obey these laws and decrees not because they have to, but because we want to. And it was always that order. Israel was loved first, <laughs> saved second, and then they obeyed the laws of God. And it's exactly the same way with a Christian this morning. So if people are going to obey God's blueprint, they need to know the reason why. And so finishing up this morning, guys, Moses thought it was important enough to gather the nation together and talk to the families and the parents. Why? Because families form the future. Future generations that go on and on and on. And yet, what do we do in a world where we see families falling apart all over the place? Where do you go to create something that is so hard to maintain? Where do you get that sort of power? It's the only family that has a source of power at its very heart, and that is the church. The church is the family of God. The church is the last frontier for the family in our society today. And it means our family ministry is not sadly how some churches treat it. Our children's and family ministry is not a place where we just send the kids to go so the grown-ups can have their special time. <laughs> no, what, what this is saying in the heart of our ministry in this place is that our family's ministry, our whole church is God's babushka factory. So guys, therefore, this morning, are you embodying the nested doll principle? That is, are you one of God's babushkas? So two things. When people look into your life, is there a pattern and a design that's easily recognizable and traceable back to the master, the master babushka God himself? Is that true of your life? But most importantly, are you actively passing it on to the little ones? Whether you're a literal parent or more importantly, a spiritual parent in this place. Do you look like him? Are you passing it on? How do we do that? Well, we're going to hear a bit from Sarah now as she gets down to the nitty-gritty practicals of it all. Thanks, Sarah. That's right. That's great, Sam. It's great to hear the why and to the background of um, where all this is going. And I, I wanted to really um, tap into a few things of what this could look like. You know, that passage of Deuteronomy 6 gives us a great model, and I want to unpack that a bit. But firstly, kids, have a look at this photo. Does it look like your family? Is your family always smiling, always doing what mum and dad says, never, never arguing, doing their homework without even being asked? Hmm. What about this one? Is your family a bit crazy sometimes? Mucking around, being silly and having fun? <laughs> See, family life is messy. It's different for everyone. It looks completely different to every, every family here. But it's jolly hard work too. And there's no single model for success. But I love that Moses passes on this plan of attack. I absolutely love it. But do you know what I also love? Is that there's so many things outside of a family unit or outside of an individual that means that we can do this together. That it's not just on our own. We spoke about this last week in Kids Church, that God gave us the Holy Spirit to be with us. That he is there to help us. 
And God also loves for us to connect in with other Christians, to come together on a Sunday and hear His Word. And we love Sundays. We love Sundays at Kids Church, don't we? We have so much fun down there. And um, we love it. We love to catch up with you, to learn together and to worship together. But a while ago, I heard this fact, and I guess I knew it to a certain extent, but when I heard this fleshed out and described this way, it hit home a little harder and made me realize as to what this is all about. You see, there are 52 weeks in a year, right? Which is 52 weekends in a year, which anyone could join us at church on a Sunday. 52 weekends in a year when any child could be with us in kids' church. But we know that with holidays and sickness and travel for sports, a perfect attendance record is really not realistic. Well, on average, a family that normally attends church could be attending about 40 Sundays a year. That's 40 hours a year that we have to foster the children's spiritual growth. And we don't take that lightly. We put a lot of work into that because it's such a powerful time together. So 40 hours a year that we have. However, a parent or a legal guardian of that same child has approximately 3,000 hours a year. Not 40, but 3,000. That can be a bit eye-opening. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, some of the parents have um, heard me talk about this concept of orange a little bit lately. And we're we're really deepening into this because it's a, a partnership that is so powerful. When the two come together, it's so much greater than individuals working on their own. So we give the church the color yellow, the light of the, fa- of the church, sorry. We give the family the color red for the love of the family. And kids, what do we get when we combine red and yellow? What color? Orange. Yeah, that's exactly right. When we combine the church and the family together, where families or individuals tap into that broader community, we have the potential to be equipped in new ways beyond our capacity. And as we've deepened into this, we've, we've brought up some tools in our kids' church program, some take-home sheets that you've got, some things that the parents can take home. We want to give you those tools to make this journey easier for you. But back to that plan that Moses gave us in Deuteronomy 6. I love this. I know I said that before, but I really do. I think it's awesome because it's not about reinventing some huge new program that we don't have time for in our lives. I love it because it just taps into little slots in our day, staggered throughout our day, that we have existing in our schedule that we could potentially use for God, for Him to reinforce these messages. So we've got when we wake up in the morning, when we drive throughout the day, at meal times and when we go to bed. And this is a concept that I thought we might look at this morning is the different purposes, the different roles and the different goals you could have in these times. Who wakes up really early and just wants to stay in bed every morning? Or who wakes up really, really early, maybe even before the sun's up and can't wait to get out of bed and get going? We all have different situations in these times, don't we? Well, this, is, this time of day is an opportunity to encourage us, to encourage others, to instill purpose. And as a parent, you can be like a bit of a coach in the child's life. You're getting set up for the day ahead of you. What about the drive time? I think there's a fair few people in this room who spend a lot of time driving. 
Yeah. <laughs> Who walks to work? Who walks to school? Yeah, you bike to school too, some of you? That's right. You know, this is another time in our day that Deuteronomy 6 refers to that we can use to instill these messages to reinforce what we're learning on a Sunday. It can be more of an informal dialogue as a friend to a friend. You might be walking along to, to school and you can help them interpret life. Kids, who has a favorite meal? Have you got a favorite meal that you love? I've got one. I'm thinking of it right now. What's your favorite meal, Jack? Tuna Monet. Oh, yum. My favorite is a lamb roast. Being a Kiwi, I love a good lamb roast. It's one of my favorites. See, mealtime is another opportunity that we can have with a bit more formal discussion. I know many of you families have a um, devotional book that you're working through and you can explore a passage in a deeper level. It can be a more formal time when you as a teacher can establish values in your children's lives. Bedtime. It's an opportunity for more intimate conversation as a counsellor to build intimacy and you can debrief the day and process. And I love this, this moment of the day because you can debrief and you can process. But the greatest thing is that you can leave the day, you can leave the thoughts and the emotions at the foot of Jesus. You can leave it with him allowing for rest. So that's just an idea of perhaps how we could start to bring some focus to these times. Life is pretty chaotic and full on and family is messy, but I wonder if we could even focus on one of these times for the week ahead and allow God to have that space to reinforce what we, the messages we are receiving from him on a Sunday or throughout the week. I wonder what that would be like. I wonder how, as we allow God to use those times, he could help us to be more effective and as we, allow to, as we partner with the church, as the family and the individuals partner with the church, we can together instill these gen- truths on the generations that they may last and build a lasting legacy. See, Northside is here to leverage off the influence that you have as parents to help kids grow in their faith and to help you parent beyond your capacity on a spiritual level. Well, if that's a few thoughts for the role that we play as a church in helping you to parent beyond your capacity, I thought it would be fantastic for some wisdom to be shared from a wonderful couple who have raised a family in a strong Christ-centered home. And in the last few years, they've discovered the role of grandparenting. So why don't we welcome up Kristen, our youth pastor, to come and interview our own Graham and Bev Agnew. Um, I know a lot of you here this morning are also on this journey of being grandparents. So it's a real great opportunity for us to hear not only from grandparents, but also from our senior pastor, Graham, and his beautiful wife, Bev. So Bev, what is the most exciting thing for you about being a grandparent? Um, I think initially it's just the unexplainable deep love that you have, and it's a, a sort of brings joy and laughter and smiles and happiness into your life. You just don't expect it. Yeah, beautiful. What about for you? What about for you, Graeme? I think if you you enjoyed parenting, which we did, it's sort of like a a second go at parenting, Uh, you know, all the fun but uh, no responsibility, uh, which is, uh, is, yeah, that's a a great aspect of grandparenting, yeah. Yeah. And Graeme, how important is the role of a grandparent in the spiritual formation of grandchildren? 
Well, uh, in light of what we've been saying this morning, I think it's very important. Uh, depends on what your family setting is. Uh, both our kids are, are active Christians and very heavily involved in the church. So our role, we, we see it as we're just kind of reinforcing what they are already doing with, with their kids. And so um, in the way we try to model uh, our Christian faith, the fact that we've been around a little bit longer than their parents, they see that this does work down through the generations, as Sam was saying. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a, I think it's, a, it's an important role. We can, you can really uh, uh, help the kids to see that this, has got, this is a lifetime commitment. You know? Yeah. So this is a photo of Graham and Bev and their beautiful children and their grandchildren. So you guys don't live near your grandchildren. So how do you influence your grandchildren being so far away from them, Bev? Well, it's, you've really got to work much harder at it um, and I guess the best way to influence anybody is by your presence there. Um, for me, when we first had grandchildren, I decided that I would try and make an effort to be there probably once every two months for a couple of days. So that was sort of full on for yeah. those couple of days. I've tried to maintain that. It's pretty expensive. <laughs> Um, and uh, just to be in their lives there. And obviously when we're not there, I mean, there's these technology to rely on, there's phone calls, and as um, our eldest grandchild is now six, you know, it's great to have uh, phone conversations with her. That's when she's... Um, most times she's ready to talk a lot. <laughs> Other times she's... Uh, just this last week she said... I'm dealing with something. I can't talk now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, there's a, a lot of humour in that in it. And uh, she loves to recite. She's going to a Christian school now and she loves to recite to us the psalms that she's learning so we can share in that. That's great. Graeme, did you want to say anything about influencing from a distance? Well, it, it, as Bev says, it is very difficult uh, because of the distance. But... Uh, uh, there'll come a day when we'll be able to be a little bit closer uh, in the years to come and that'll be great. But at the moment, just a, we, we make a very special time of those visits to Adelaide. They are yeah. just precious every single moment. Uh, we like to do special things for the kids. I have a saying, you know, what, what happens at, at grandma's stays at grandma's. Uh, we do some special things with the kids that maybe the, the parents aren't able to do time-wise or whatever. And uh, we have lots of little chats with them about, about God and about their life and how he can influence them for life, you know. Yeah. And Graeme, what would you say to parents here about the um, important role that grandparents play, particularly in spiritual formation and what they can learn from grandparents? Yeah, I, I, so, some of you know I, I was at a, a dedication service once uh, in America at an African-American church and the minister said, sometimes I'm asked, you know, what is the role of parents? Uh, sorry, what is the role of grandparents in the family? And his answer was, your role is interfere interfere, interfere. Uh, he was obviously projecting his own aspirations as a grandparent. Now, clearly that is not the role of grandparents. Um, but I would say to parents, like, you know, discover what the role of the grandparents is for you because they can be a great support. I mean, you've got to establish boundaries. No parent wants their grandparents to be saying, you know, oh, you shouldn't be doing that and we didn't do that. And, you know, I mean, that's just... But, you know, establish some boundaries. But... Also look for ways in which the grandparents can support you in your role as parents. They can take some of the pressure off. They can introduce a more of a fun component. Uh, they can do uh, lots of babysitting if you're really nice to them. Uh, you know, I think there's a, they, they can work in together really, really 
effectively if uh, a bit of thought and time is put into that. Well, let's thank Graeme and Bev um, for their wisdom and for sharing with us this morning. Thanks, guys. Let's go a seat.